Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to Success Movie Rewind. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. Folks, if I'm coming across as calm this week, it's because I'm undertaking great effort to contain my excitement. Because we're talking about one of the most important, most successful, most institutional pieces of culture to exist in the 21st century. We're talking about Shrek. That's right, folks. Shrek. S-H-R-E-K. What a film. I mean, there's so much to say. There's so many lessons to learn. You could just throw a dart at any Wikipedia page or related page relating to Shrek and get two hours of content. You, you really could. You could do a whole podcast, just I'm sure people have, uh, about everything Shrek and what it means and what it has to offer. And so the challenge for, for me this week was really like, you know, we like to have our three, our three fence posts and we like to have three takeaways or lessons learned, points to ponder. We got to come up with some sort of wit- witticism to call them, but it's, it's really just three takeaways, uh, three organizing principles to consider uh, whether or not you watch the film, but that are inspired by it. But with Shrek, there's, there is so much to talk about because it's just, it's such a global phenomenon. You can like, I don't know, everybody knows Shrek. And so it's challenging to be like, should we even do a spoiler policy? Should we care? Should we do a plot synopsis? Is that insulting to the audience to be like, here's what Shrek is about? Who hasn't seen Shrek? But it's also easy with these kinds of like, stories that become bigger than they are that spawn so much like back to the future was a good example where it's like i hadn't seen that movie in years and i had forgotten so much about it and shrek was kind of like that too i had not seen this movie in so long and it really is a reminder that usually when these things happen i know there are skeptics out there i know there are critics out there i know there are people that think they're too cool for shrek and if look, maybe they are. They're certainly, if so, they're too cool for this podcast because I love Shrek. It's great. I watched it this week. Kind of, it's a ninety-minute movie, so it's good, obviously, for kids. Uh, I've got a soon-to-be two-year-old, so we could, we don't even sit still for that long. But I put it on kind of in chunks, so I've actually seen it like three times this week. My family has instructed me to not do a Scottish accent anymore. But see, there I go. Now I'm like, do I have to remind the audience that Shrek is Scottish? I think everybody knows that. But my point is, the way we're going to solve that dilemma this week is our three takeaways, our signposts, our points to consider from Shrek. We're going to kind of tie them to the broad beginning, middle, and end of Shrek's story because it is a great story. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start with Shrek, okay? Our first takeaway is obviously there are no ogres in real life, but sometimes we feel like an ogre. 
And uh, sometimes we are treated like an ogre and that makes us feel like an ogre. I don't want to assume maybe you've never felt like an ogre, but I think a lot of people have, you know, like a mythical bog creature or a swamp creature that just wants to be left alone. You're just like, look, I've, I've been beaten down by life. I get it. I'll just retire to my swamp and do ogre stuff. Just leave me alone. And I'd promise I'll just do minor mayhem when people stumble into the swamp. You know, it, it's easy to ogre out. I, I really do think that, at least for me. Um, and what saves us from doing that is that often those barriers are defenses. And often we've been hurt. And it's not necessarily that ogres are on a quest to hurt people, but they will if you mess with their solitude. And I love solitude. You know we record in the garage here. But sometimes the garage becomes a swamp for me. Uh, other times it's the Superman's fortress of solitude. But if you've ever felt like an ogre, I want you to remember our first point from Shrek, which is that some people, uh, or fairy tale creatures in this case, like ogres. Okay. So in the beginning of the movie, we have Shrek in his swamp and he's about to go on a quest, uh, to meet up with the evil Lord Farquaad, who is rounding up fairy tale creatures, taking their lands, for the, for himself and evicting the creatures onto Shrek's swamp. So he's like, I'm going to go talk to this Lord Farquaad to get you out of there. And everyone's like, we love you, Shrek. And he's like, what? No, like uh, I'm an ogre. You're not supposed to love me. That's my whole thing. Uh, but they're like, no, thank you. You know, cause they're, they're happy. Their interests have aligned, even though Shrek doesn't want to be anybody's hero. He's very postmodern in that regard. But of course, every hero needs kind of a trusted companion. Every Don Quixote needs a Sancho Panza. And so what's cool that what this movie does is, uh, you know, Don Quixote usually also is riding his trusty steed. But here, the, the donkey, his trusty steed is actually also his buddy, his traveling companion, because he's a talking donkey. He's voiced by Eddie Murphy, comedic genius, obviously. You know, it was tempting to just for our clips to just be like, our first clip is Eddie Murphy saying, I'm making waffles, you know, because if you know, you know, I mean, it's just, it's so funny the way that <laughs> I'm laughing, thinking about it. Like, I, I love this movie. Uh, and Eddie crushes it. But one thing that he really sells is the exuberant uh, type of personality often. Just, uh, I don't know, somebody who's willing to wade through the, the personality swamp, so to speak, sometimes that we all live in and just say, hey, I, hey, I like you. And sometimes you can be like, no, like that, get away. But the movie has a really nice moment for that. So that's our first clip beginning in the, the beginning of the beautiful friendship between Shrek and Donkey uh, is our first clip. Let's take a listen. I'm an ogre! You know, grab your torch and pitchforks! Doesn't that bother you? Nope. Really? Really, really. Oh. Man, I like you. What I like about this movie is it is kind of realistic about the fact that Shrek is an ogre. You know, one of the, I love when Wikipedia pages have light editorial comments, despite their like attempt to be a, a neutral view from nowhere or whatever. And so one person in one of the Shrek wikis is like, you know, it's, I, I can't remember exactly how they said it, but they're like, Shrek's been bullied a lot uh, and called ugly, even though he mostly presents as a humanoid is what they said, which is like kind of true. You know, uh, he's green, you know, uh, he's a, he'll, he's, he'll bruise you, but yeah, I don't think Shrek's a bad looking guy. 
but he does. And the donkey doesn't see that. And it's important to accept people. Sometimes it can be easy to mistrust people if you've been hurt before by people seeming like they like you or you don't really, you didn't understand their motives or something like that. Or if people are just outright mean to you or, or excluded you, but it is possible that people like you. You know, if you're listening to this, I like you, even if you're feeling like an ogre today. Some people like ogres. That's our first quote. And what I like about this movie, as I was saying, is uh, it does explain, despite Shrek's arguably not that ugly appearance, uh, he's been treated poorly. He has a tough backstory. So I just wanted to, you know, let, let's let Shrek tell it. We have a, a little mini clip to, to close out this point. People take one look at me and go, ah, help, run! A big, stupid, ugly ogre. They judge me before they even know me. That's why I'm better off alone. You know what? When we met, I didn't think he was just a big, stupid, ugly ogre. So that, that's one. It's just, it's a great constant in, throughout these movies, the friendship between Shrek and Donkey. And really, there's a love story here, and we're about to talk about it. But the, one of the, the great love stories that, that's easy to go unremarked upon when you focus on the classic romantic love story is the love between Shrek and Donkey. And honestly, the love I have for them. I mean, just one of, one of cinema's great pairings. It just you really struck lightning in a bottle with them. So that's our first clip. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll get on with our quest. All right, we're back. We're back. So as I was saying, Shrek is going on a quest, right? He goes to see Lord, Far Lord Farquaad. He's like, get them off of my, my swamp. You know, I said I wouldn't do the Scottish accent. You heard why. Uh, apologies in advance if I do it again, but also, sorry, not sorry. I've watched this movie so much this week. It, it's fun to do and it's infectious. Good luck. Trigger warning if doing Scottish accents is hard for you. Uh, you know, hard for you to hear because if you play Shrek enough in your house, people will start doing it. But uh, for our first clip, uh, let's hear from another character. So we've got Princess Fiona, right? And she looks like uh, what I think at the time would be referred to as like a storybook princess. In fact, the movie opens with Shrek in the commode. There, there's a lot of toilet humor in this film. Uh, if that bothers you, you know, you've been warned. Tr consult your, uh, you know, trigger warning, your trusted sources as always. Uh, but I think the movie's generally pretty good. Like I said, I watched it with my kid. I, she seems pretty no worse for wear. But um, this clip really gets at that. It's, it's, it's really interesting. So Princess Fiona by storybook princess, I don't mean to suggest that's the only kind of princess there is. And the movie, in fact, directly refutes that point. But in the beginning, Shrek is flipping through a storybook with like a blonde princess uh, who is sleeping, awaiting true love's first kiss. And Shrek is like, like that'll ever happen. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of the movie's, you know, I ironic take is there right from the start. And so we've got Princess Fiona, who is still in storybook mentality, you know, and uh, so she's still in this like she's got to be the, the storybook princess. She's got to be the classic uh, conventional uh, beauty features that Western culture has elevated, which, of course, is all kinds of fraught with uh, in the real world with all kinds of 
troubling history of oppression of people that don't look that way and discrimination. And that there's no shortage of that in this world as well. But before we get there, we've got Princess Fiona still in this storybook mode and she's got a surprise in store because Shrek's coming to rescue her, not like a bold knight or a, you know, a classical knight. So let's listen to our first clip. Wake up. What? Are you Princess Fiona? I am. Awaiting a knight so bold as to rescue me. Oh, that's nice. Now let's go. But wait, Sir Knight. This beeth our first meeting. Should it not be a wonderful, romantic moment? Yeah. Sorry, lady. There's hey, no time. Hey, wait. What are you doing? You, you know, you should sweep me off my feet out yonder window and down a rope onto your valiant steed. You've had a lot of time to plan this, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Ah! Ah! But we have to save this moment. You could recite an epic poem for me. A ballad? A sonnet? A limerick? Or something? I don't think so. Well, can I at least know the name of my champion? Um, Shrek. Sir Shrek. <clears throat> I pray that you take this favor as a token of my gratitude. Thanks. What I'd like about this clip is it is a, I think if you want, I don't like, you know, I do agree the, the verb unpack is a little bit overused, but there is a cool commentary going on here, I think, that sort of does pack in the history of written Western culture, at least, because we really do. We go from, we've got Princess Fiona, like still stuck in story mode. She's comically using like Beeth, uh, this, this very elevated medieval language and referring to the valiant steed, of course. But we really go, we go epic poem, you know, like the, uh, the Odyssey and the Iliad. Then we've got the ballad, you know, like the, the first poets, the troubadours, uh, that really prefigured modern poetry. Then we've got the sonnet, you know, of course, like uh, in the Elizabethan era with Shakespeare, the the Italians. I want to say there's like Petrarch, I want to say. That's the kind of a sonnet. I vaguely associate him with the Renaissance. Uh, but then, of course, the we get less formal. Uh, and Shakespeare was informal, you know, I think the Globe Theater, people from all walks of life came there. But then we've got limericks, you know, like uh, funny, sometimes uh, a little risque uh, poems, often crudely rhyming. Uh, and then she's like something. And then we've just got finally just uh, a bodily sound effects humor. She offers up her favor, her handkerchief, like a lady, you know, f- straight out of a tale of old. And Shrek blows his nose on it, literally and figuratively. And so this is, this is a good, you know, take. And it, it really, it kind of does what the movie does throughout. And that brings us to our second takeaway. But we've got a second clip uh, for our second takeaway. Um, but our second point before we play it is that even when you're on a quest, you don't have to slay every dragon you meet. Okay. You don't have to slay every dragon you meet on your quest. That is our second takeaway. And so let's listen to another clip, uh, before we talk about this point a little more. You didn't slay the dragon? It's on my to-do list. Now, come on. But this isn't right. You're meant to charge in sword drawn 
terrifying. That's what all the other knights did. Yeah, right before they burst into flame. You know, that's not the point. <gasps> Wait, where are you going? The exit's over there. Okay, so uh, the movie really does drive this lesson home in so many ways. I, I really like these clips because they are directly commenting on what the story is doing, which is really telling us once you can see, and that's why we spend so much time episode after episode pointing out these story mechanics because they're easy to see and good stories sort of like point you to them if you're looking for them and, and comment on them as they're deconstructing them or exploring them and putting them back together. And then you can do that in your real life. You can be like, oh, okay, this person, I'm this, I'm actually an ogre on this person's narrative. Wow. Like <laughs> I thought I was the main character of my hero quest, but this person, I'm just an ogre to them. Interesting. Well, maybe there's power in being an ogre to somebody, maybe, but you've got to accept that. And maybe you can do something, well, if they think I'm an ogre, they're not going to see this coming and they can really, you know, you can surprise somebody, whatever it is. Once you know these kind of story beats that everybody grew up with and yeah, that saturates us, I mean, you cannot turn around without seeing Shrek. I, there's, I just have so many Shrek-infused memories. It, it, it really was hard to record this podcast without going off on what Shrek means to me. Uh, but of course, you know, these lessons are what Shrek means to me when I watched it this week. And that's what I want everybody to think about. So you may encounter not just an ogre, but a dragon. And you may think, well, I'm a knight on a quest, so I must slay this dragon. But you don't have to. You can kind of comment on it. You can say other people tried and it didn't work for them. So we're going to go out the window. And there's no upside that I can see, and there's a lot of downside. It's not important to me to uphold the story that got a lot of other people killed or that prevented other people from reaching their goal. For example, I think there's a, a, a not harmful, but I don't agree with there's a line of thought in the creative industries or like the performing arts. Uh, I read this in a, a music book that I like, so I don't want to throw shots at it and cite it, but I do disagree with this point. Actually, I will. It's called How to Make It in the Music Business. And the author says, basically, don't take a promotion because that's excess energy that you could spend doing your music if you have a day job. And you'll end up focusing on your day job because you'll prioritize it by wanting to jeopardize or to prioritize uh, your job to justify the increase in salary that you get with your promotion. So instead you should work harder at your music. That's nice. That's it. And it clearly works for him, but, uh, it doesn't work for everybody. And I think some people should take their promotion and maybe that buys them studio time. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, it, it's the principle of not slaying every dragon can be a lot of things. I'll tell you another thing you see in music studios is some people are very comfortable. Like, uh, there's videos online of the rapper young thug. He really doesn't care who knows it. He punches in basically like two lines at a time sometimes. So the song, obviously, Obviously, if you've heard a song, you've got usually 16 bars in a verse uh, that are, it'll be like eight rhyming couplets, or it depends on how the rhyme scheme goes, but um, like eight, eight occasions to rhyme, I guess I would say. And uh, he'll do just like those, the, the one rhyming sequence 
over and over again until they have a good one and then they'll move on to the next one. But a lot of people, and I've been there, like there's a, a point of pride of being like, I need to be able to do all of my, you know, my lines without doing my breath or without stopping to catch my breath. And that's really impressive when people can do it. But sometimes trying to slay that dragon means that you never get past it and you don't need to. There, there is technology that can help you. You don't need to slay the dragon. And so it can be annoying to see these post-iron fairy tales. I was also watching The Little Mermaid with my daughter the other day, which was much more of a classical tale, although it's got a lot going on. I kind of wish we had done a Devil Wears Prada Little Mermaid tie-in episode because the character of Ursula has a lot of Devil Wears Prada elements going on. But anyway, my point is it, it is different uh, to see something just directly comment on fairy tales while telling one that sort of does mark off these eras. But one useful lesson from all of those is that you can choose the story you're in and don't feel like you have to risk your life slaying a dragon just because other idiots did before you. And sometimes there's a reason not to slay the dragon. And so that brings me to our third takeaway. As we go on the quest, we learn, of course, that Princess Fiona, this is why I was hemming and hawing earlier, she has a secret. And although she needs to be awakened by uh, true love's true kiss, you know, from her spell, uh, she, she has to marry her true love. She can't really do that because she has to hide who she is. And how can you find true love if it doesn't love the whole you, if it doesn't love you know, uh, those elements of yourself that make you feel ogreish. And that's right, folks. Princess Fiona, although she appears like the, the storybook princess, so to speak, um, she actually speaks for all of us because very few people fit that mold. And even the people who do, I think if you talk about them, they know the areas where they don't, and it's easy to fixate on them as well. Uh, and so the movie, the movie really makes it clear. We all struggle with this. Uh, we all wonder if, if anyone can ever love us, uh, even our ogreish parts. And so that's Princess Fiona's curse is literally at night, she turns into an ogre and, uh, who can break her from this spell? Well, she, uh, you know, at some point it gets revealed. Of course, the donkey sees it before Shrek. And this is what Prin Princess Fiona explains. It's the only way to break the spell. Well, you at least got to tell Shrek the truth. No, no, you can't breathe a word. No one must ever know. What's the point of being able to talk if you got to keep secrets? Promise you won't tell. Promise. All right, all right, I won't tell him. But you should. Just know before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. Look at my eye twitching. Here we really see Princess Fiona's bind. She has to marry her true love, but she believes that no one must know her secret. So again, that's the double bind. That's what gives you the eye twitch, so to speak. Somebody's got to tell. Uh, you know, you've you've got to reveal your whole self, even the your ogreish self, even your uncontrollable parts. Because until you do, and I'm not saying, look, I there's such a thing as oversharing. Uh, I think it's appropriate to keep things to yourself. Usually, you should share to somebody, though. I think. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous have it right that at some point it is helpful to not just admit to God and to yourself, but to another human being exactly what you've gone through. It really is helpful because that's a loving act for someone to sit there and listen. That's, you know, you can be that person for somebody also. 
Uh, and it's a loving act you can engage in just listening. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, honestly, I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to overattach uh, or say we're something that we're not listeners, but it, it is a labor of love here on my end. And I think if you're listening, I feel it back. So, and, and really we try to live our third takeaway here, which is that true love loves the whole truth. And so if you have, if you want to marry your true love, uh, those parts of you that you think no one must know, I'm going to tell you something. Your true love wants to know. It's still up to you whether you share it or not, usually. Sometimes it's inadvertent and you find out how your true love does or does not respond. But what I'm telling you is that the force of love wants, does know about those, those parts of you. And those are, it's just like Donkey says to Shrek. Uh, you may think it makes you an ogre that you don't care and you're, you're a jerk to everybody. But it can be a strength and somebody can say, you know, it lets you do your own thing. Uh, and that's, that's the beginning of true love is saying, I see the whole of you and I like it, or I see the potential, uh, to redeem the parts of you that you think are beyond redemption. And I think this is really a tie in to our second point about not slaying every dragon, because that's not a loving act, you know, and sometimes the dragon has a reason to be a dragon. And so I really, you know, this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I often don't get the pronunciation right, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. This, this writer, Rainier Maria Rilke, Rilke, it's R-I-L-K-E. And he has this book called Letters to a Young Poet. It's awesome. I highly recommend it uh, if you need like a creative boost. It's short and you can just pick it up and kind of flip through it. And it's him writing to this younger poet, just giving kind of, you know, schooling him on the creative life. And he's giving him, you know, advice to like be courageous and, uh, you know, to face down these scary things. And I think that's what that's what true love calls us to do. Uh, you know, the people in our lives when they're being ogreish, you know, to, to look at them and say, what's going on here? Or when we encounter a dragon to say, what's going on with this dragon? What does this dragon actually want? And why do I feel like I need to engage in, in this violent act against that, this? And so this quote from letters to a young poet is, I love it so much. Uh, it really gets to this point. So Rilke or Rilke says, perhaps all the dragons in our lives our princesses who are only waiting to see us act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us is in its deepest, deepest essence, something helpless that wants our love. And I think that's true about Shrek. That's what Donkey saw. And uh, ironically, the movie does it again with Donkey and the actual dragon. It, the movie like lives out this beautiful quote because the dragon is, as Donkey calls her, a girl dragon. She kind of has a crush on the donkey and she actually comes uh, to the rescue. You know, of course, by the end, there's a big wedding and Lord Farquaad is sort of the dark side of the dragon that is in love, uh, or but is in love with the wrong thing. He wants power. He wants to be the king. He doesn't love Fiona for who she is. He literally starts calling her as she, you know, because of various magic hijinks, her ogreish form is revealed. He calls her it. And he says, it's disgusting. And he says, but it still makes me king. That's his focus. And guess who comes to the rescue? You know, this dragon who wanted to be loved. And because they didn't slay the dragon and because the donkey was sort of, you know, 
he, it's not like he used her affection for him. He, he didn't lead her on. He was like, I'm not looking for that kind of relationship. It's not, that, it's not that kind of movie. This is not that kind of podcast. But he was like, you know, open to being in an alliance with the dragon. He, he received her affection and her desire to be of service to him. And she comes and saves the day while Lord Farquaad is freaking out. And, um, you know, so then we're left with Princess Fiona and Shrek. And of course, she's revealed to be her ogreish form. And this is something I like. So the movie is maybe not as sensitive as like a Pixar movie would be today. And so when Fiona's ogre form is revealed to the donkey and she's like, I'm so ugly. I think a movie today, maybe a character would be like, no, you're not. Like you have beautiful characteristics or something like right on the spot. <laughs> but I think the donkey is like, he might start doing that. But the movie, like basically the movie a lot is like, they call the ogres ugly, which again, I agree with the Wikipedia editors that say it's not quite warranted. Um, but in the end, what I'm glad they didn't do is like the trap of being like, uh, to me, you're beautiful. I, I get the sentiment there, but I always like kind of feel a twinge when I hear that. That was like a very popular quote, like on early Facebook when I was in college of people saying, I think it's from some movie or something, but like, to me, it sort of implies maybe other people don't see you as beautiful, which is their problem. Like, and, and I do get that. So if you've ever said or heard someone say to me, you're beautiful and that means something to you, I'm not trying to take that away. It's just the more I've thought about it over the years, I don't love that emphasis because I'd rather have it just be on the person being beautiful because we're all beautiful, even if we're ogres. And that's the form she's in when true love is revealed and kisses her. So that brings us to our last quote. So this is uh, as Fiona herself is still not quite understanding that she's in her own story, not the story she's read. Fiona, are you all right? Well, yes. But I, I don't understand. I'm supposed to be beautiful. But you are beautiful. <laughs> I was hoping this would be a happy ending. So I, I just like that Shrek says you are beautiful, uh, not like, oh, I'm an ogre, so let's get together or whatever. Because he's an ogre, he can probably see that better. Uh, and maybe he still has lingering self-esteem issues. Maybe it helps him. Uh, or maybe he actually prefers her as an ogre because that's when she's being herself. Like Drake said, you know, hair tied, chilling with no makeup on. That's when you're the prettiest. I hope that you don't take it wrong. That's, that's what true love is about. I'm not sure that's what Drake was getting at. But, uh, you know, true love loves the whole truth. And so I love that this movie ends despite all of the funny meta irony narrative notes along the way that it ends, you know, with these, these two beautiful ogres finding each other. And then like it began, the bookends of Smash Mouth just taking us home. I wish we had the rights to Smash Mouth, but we don't. But folks, it's been great this week. That, that brings us to a close of Shrek 1. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do Puss in Boots next week. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but that's a great Wikipedia page to read. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.